Jesus is full of grace and, and truth. We'll take our um, scripture reading from two openings. Luke chapter 15, 1 to 32, and John 1, 14 and 17. Luke 15, 1 to 32. I read from the New Living Translation. Luke 15, 11 to 32, sorry. Luke 15, 11 to 32. The Word of God says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them a story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now, before you die. If you have a son, that says to you, before, it's like you want to live forever, you this old man. Let me enjoy my life before you go. What would you do? I'll probably give him a knock. A big knock on his head. Praise the name of the Lord. So his father agreed, wow, to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there, he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed his pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned both against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of becoming, of being called your son. But the father said to the servant, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf. We have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Everybody said the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields 
walking. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. <laughs> the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years, I have slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet, when this son of yours, as if he's not a brother of his, comes back from after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. A second scripture, scripture reading today, um, is John 1, 14 and 17. The word of God says, in, in the NIV, John 1, 14 and 17, says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. For the law was given to, through Moses, but grace and truth came through who? Jesus Christ. The word of God says that Jesus is full of grace and truth. The word of God did not say Jesus has 50% grace and 50% truth. Jesus is full. Everybody say full. Full of grace and truth, which means he has 100% grace, he has 100% truth. Unfortunately, we tilt in different, either directions as, as Christians. And in fact, we have churches that build their thrust around a particular direction. So it's not uncommon to see a church that says, oh, we are a grace church. Once um, Jesus came so that we will have what? Grace. Jesus came so we have grace and, I will say grace and truth. Grace. So they, they, and grace is fine. Grace is beautiful. We all are here because of grace. But they sacrifice truth on the altar of grace. And at best, what they have is a caricature of who a Christian should be. Praise the name of the Lord. On the other spectrum, we have the churches that will say, or the Christians that will say, um, 
We are a truth church. And we are focused on the truth. You hear those kind of churches say, you hear the unadulterated word of God. And they sacrifice grace on the altar of truth. And at best, they get a caricature of who a Christian really looks like. And at the end of the day, we now have two caricatures arguing, I look more like Christ. I look more like Christ. Where Christ says to us that he is full of what? Grace and truth. Which means for you to come and to have the fullness of Christ, you must walk in the fullness of grace and truth. Jesus did not say you need to choose one between grace and truth. If you want Jesus, you are going to embrace grace and, and truth. Grace and truth. He didn't put a condition on grace, Jesus. And he didn't water down the truth either. Jesus did not put a precondition on grace. And Jesus did not water down the truth either. In John chapter 8, the fantastic story that, I mean, we've, we've, we've taught on it um, um, several times in church, um, in this church. John 8, I mean, from 1 to maybe 11, the story of the woman caught in adultery. She was caught in adultery. They were about to stone her, and they asked Jesus, What say ye? This is what Moses said. What say ye? And Jesus said, If you are without sin, throw the first stone. And from the oldest to the youngest, they were dropping their stones. Remember the story, right? Good. Fine. Where we are going today is, Jesus said to the lady, where are your accusers? The lady says, they are gone. And Jesus said, neither do I accuse you. You are free. That is grace. No conditions given for your freedom. Jesus said, you are free. There was no precondition. Then Jesus went ahead and said to her, Go and sin no more truth. That is truth. That is truth right there. Jesus did not water down the truth in order, in order to offer grace. Jesus offered grace and he did not water down the truth. So Jesus said, You are free. Go and sin no more. In other words, Jesus was saying, What you did was bad. What you did was wrong. However, you are free. But don't do that again. Praise the name of the Lord. He gave her a full dose of both. Both grace and truth. Jesus is not about balancing grace and truth. Some of us, we struggle to balance grace and truth. It's not about a balancing act of grace and truth. Jesus when you experience Jesus, you're experiencing a full dose of grace and a full dose of truth. It came with a full measure. Now, the challenge with, with, with the folks that have a problem with truth is that it's because truth has a finality to it. Truth has an absolute tone to it. Truth has a, 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 an, an, an absoluteness to it. And Truth is either white or black. 
But a lot of us, we, we enjoy to live in the gray area. We, we really don't like white or black. So, so, so we say things like, um, I made a mistake. Instead of, I have sinned. We say, I'm human. You know, we humans, we are not perfect. And I, I will correct myself. Or I will, after a while, there will be correction. No, 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 no. We are not mistakers in need of correction. We are sinners in need of a savior. We are not mistakers in need of correction. Truth calls a spade a spade. And that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. We need more than a second chance. We need a second birth. For some people, they say, oh my God, is a God of second chances, but you are on the 15th chance. You are on the 15th chance. But it's the second chance every time. What we really need is a second birth. Praise the name of the Lord. And the church... God's favorite house, by the grace of God, is filled with grace and truth. Amen. We are not going to tilt in one direction of grace. Grace is beautiful. We accept the fullness. Neither are we going to be lopsided on truth. Truth is beautiful. We accept the fullness. Jesus is full of grace and truth. And the problem, for those that have a problem with grace, the problem they have with grace, largely, is because grace kind of gives you a blank check. Some people are comfortable receiving a blank check, but they are uncomfortable with other people receiving a blank check. They're like, Pastor, if you preach grace, ah, people will begin to say no. But I'm, I'm like, Pastor, but you received grace. He says, yes. He says, but you know, you have to be wise, you know, because not everybody, you know, people. <laughs> so, some pastors struggle to say to people, you, you can't, there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. That's grace, but that's the truth. Try very hard. God loves you, and he will still love you. Some people can't tell their children that because they say, Pastor, don't tell my children that because they are teenagers. If you tell them that, they will go away wire. Because they will assume that. I said, it's because you are not giving the full dose of grace and truth. And truth. So, so we, we put preconditions on grace. Jesus never put a precondition on grace. Jesus always, in fact, many times, Jesus will offer grace before he exposes people to truth. Yes, I know that after you have repented, a time of refreshing will come from the presence of, of the Lord. I know that sometimes truth needs to be in place for you to really experience grace. But many times, Jesus will offer grace before exposing his people you know, or, the, or the recipients to truth. The, the classic case is the case of this woman. Jesus offered her grace. Jesus did not say repent. Once you repent, then, I've, then 
Jesus says you are free. However, I don't sin anymore. He offered grace before he put truth. The man that was lame for 38 years in John 5, if you read from verse 1 down, the man was lame for 35 years. Jesus came, healed the man, no question. He, he, he jumped, he skipped a lot of people, got to the man, would you be made whole? The man was saying a lot of grammar. Jesus said, you know what, get up, take up your bed and walk. And Jesus left. And the man was walking and he was dancing and he was happy. And the Pharisee says, who healed you? Today is Sabbath. You, you shouldn't be carrying your bed. You know, some people have an issue. They just have an issue. This, what, they are not, you see, if you see a man that has been crippled for 38 years and you see him carrying his bed and happy, and all you can say is, why are you carrying your bed? Something is wrong with you. And a lot of us in the church, we have become callous. And the man said, it is the person that healed me that said to me, take up your bed and walk. Jesus, did he not know it was Sabbath? He didn't give a damn. Grace doesn't sometimes follow rules. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> He knew it was Sabbath. And later the Bible says, Jesus found this man and said to him, see that you don't go back to sin. Otherwise a worse thing will come upon you. Jesus offered grace before he exposed the recipient to truth. Many times we've been taught for someone to be healed, you need to make the person confess their sins, not all the time. Jesus can heal even if they don't repent. Yes. Say, Pastor, is that true? Yes. Have I not just shown you? And you know what this guy did after Jesus told him that don't sin no more? You know what he did? He went to the leader and said, That's the guy that healed me. That's the guy. I said, No wonder I was crippled for 38 years. Wicked man. So they wanted to kill Jesus because he went to report Jesus. That was what happened. If somebody heals you, what should you do? And you know that this guy wants to kill you. What should you do? You should protect him. That's the guy. Grace isn't always fair. Grace is not always fair. You know, grace is unmerited favor as it has been defined. It's it's not just favor, because favor can be merited. You know, when you do someone a favor, and it says that, okay, I owe you one, right? You know, then they do you a favor back, then I owe you one. So you, you can trade favors. But grace, you can't trade grace. Grace is favor that is unexplainable. Favor that is undeserved. And it is many of us, we are struggling to explain the grace of God on our lives. You can't. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. You can't. You are favored. You are favored. Shikena. President of Allah. Some, you know, I just, you just want to be fair. But you see, Jesus, if you read the scriptures, in Matthew, Matthew, and John, one thing that will strike you is 
Jesus, it's as if he's not even interested in fairness. Honestly. It's as if fairness is not even his objective. He had over 500 disciples. He chose 12. 12. Is that fair? Is that fair? Out of 12, 3 in a caucus. Is that fair? What has the other has done? Out of the three, one guy can put his head on Jesus' chest. Is that fair? If Judas tries that, <laughs> his head will be bald <laughs> by the time he removes it. It's not fair. Jesus walked through Jerusalem. He did not heal everybody. Did Jesus heal everybody? Is that fair? Why would you heal somebody? I know even the story we talked about, the, the Bible says that there were multitude of lame, mute, and crippled people in that place. And Jesus tiptoe, 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 and found one person. And said, would you be made whole? And healed him. And he tiptoed and, and disappeared. Excuse me, is that fair? If you live your life wanting God to be fair to you, you will miss it. You live your life encountering the grace and the truth of God. Then you will get it. Jesus was walking down the, the road. A whole lot of people were following him. And he got to a place. He just looked up. Zacchaeus, today I'm going to eat lunch in your house. Excuse me, we have been following you for 10 hours. <laughs> we go. Is that fair? Zacchaeus a sinner. It's not fair. A young guy, rich, wealthy guy, came to Jesus. Not only wealthy, he, he got his wealth legitimately and he was a decent guy. Came to Jesus says, what do I do to get eternal life? Jesus says, summary, sell everything you have, then follow me. Sacrifice everything and follow me. And the guy was sad and left. A few days after, a few months after, Jesus was hanging on the cross. A thief convicted thief, beside him, Jesus said, today, you will be with me in paradise. Is that fair? <laughs> Somebody had to sacrifice everything. Then, another person, today, that is not fair. You must be comfortable with the grace of God upon your life that is not fair. You must be comfortable with it. You must be comfortable with it. You must be comfortable with it. Why am I anointed? I don't know. But I'm anointed by the grace of God. And it's sweet. You can go to God. I pray more than him. I, I, I can pray 20 hours straight. That guy cannot even pray. You know? Hmm? I fast more than him. Mm -hmm. I, I'm even more handsome than he is. Mm -hmm. But God has chosen to favor me. 
and I'm, you have to be, and I'm comfortable in my skin. You have to be comfortable in your skin. You have to be. You have to be. You say to your neighbor, you have to be comfortable in your skin. Totally. Think about it. You know, I, you know, I was, I, was, I was thinking, I was meditating, I was like, out of all the men in this world, why did my wife choose to marry me? Why? I'm favored. The other men in this world, they have more money. Mm? They have bigger houses. Mm? They have forever. But she said, no. That's my guy. Glory of That means that grace is my, um, is my reliance. And if you don't realize that God has been gracious to you, and you don't recognize the grace, you abuse it. You are discontent when you should be grateful. Praise the name of the Lord. So we see that in this story, the, the text that we read in, in Luke 15 is a classic story of grace and truth. It's a classic story of grace and truth. The younger son, the younger son, when he came to his senses, the Bible said, when he came to his senses, you see, grace is not accessible to you until you finally come to your senses. It's not. It is available to you, but it is not accessible to you until you come to your senses. Many of us, it's like we are out of our senses. We are just living a riotous life. We are doing things that are upside down. You know, until you come to your senses, grace becomes inaccessible. The way to describe what is going on in a lot of lives in this place this morning, is a tug of war. It's a wrestling match between you and God. It's as if you are fighting with God. You are fighting with God. But I want to give you the solution on winning every battle against God. Every time you are fighting with God, you do what I'm going to tell you, we always win God. You want to know? The only way to always win God is to surrender. <laughs> surrender. Now, you know why? When you surrender your battle with God, you are not the, you are not, you are not the uh, victim. You've not lost. You've actually won. Why? Because what begins to happen to you when you surrender is victory. The, J- Jacob was wrestling and wrestling and wrestling and God had to break his tie bone and, you know, he surrendered. Then his name changed. Then he entered into his blessing. Praise the name of the Lord. As long as you keep struggling, you keep wondering. As long as, as, long as you keep struggling. 
Surrender. So please tell your neighbor, surrender. And, you know, the, the, the story has been termed over the history of, of, of the church as the story of the prodigal son. You know, some call it the story of the lost son. Some call it the story of the prodigal son. And both are correct. You know, it's prodigal in the sense that the word prodigal means wastefully extravagant. So, the boy was wastefully extravagant. But you see, the prodigal son needed a prodigal grace to save and redeem him. The prodigal son needed a prodigal grace. Why prodigal grace? Yes. Why, why do you say prodigal grace? A grace that is wastefully extravagant. But can grace be wastefully extravagant? Is that not a, no, it's not a very nice thing to say about the grace of God? I'll show you. A wastefully extravagant grace. Now, if this boy had come back from his Riotous living. And like many of us, and says, Oh, my father, I want to be your servant. I will first give him a knock. Right? I don't know about you, but me, I will. Then I'll say, Okay, fine. You want to work as my servant? Work as my servant. In my mind, I'll say, Okay, I will let him work as a servant for six months. Let him learn his lesson. Then after six months, I will now restore him back, right? Will that not be grace? Of course. It will be grace. If, but maybe there are some of you that are better than us. You are saying, as soon as he comes back, you just take him back in as a son. Will that not be grace? If the guy has done that, that would have been grace. A higher level of grace. But... If you go further and, and, and the boy comes back and you take a goat, a small goat, and you kill for the boy and you uh, for the, and throw a party, that would be amazing grace, right? <laughs> Particularly in our culture, that would be amazing grace. Now, the boy came back. And if you read that scripture, it kept talking about the fatted cow or the fatted calf. The fatted calf. Not a fatted calf. The fatted calf. No, no, this is how it works. In the Semites, the guys in the Middle East, what happens is when one of them is when the rich ones, they have a they have heads, they have cattle that, that are plowing and, 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 and oxen and all that. But they take a calf, a calf is a baby baby cow or ox. That one doesn't do any work. They just fatten it. They feed it and feed it and feed it and feed it and feed it in preparation for a time maybe when the king of the place of, of the country is passing by and they throw a feast and it takes a lot of years to fatten a cow. So this man has been, everybody knew the fatted, the, the fatted cow. Everybody knew the fatted cow. And this boy came back from righteous living and he took the fatted cow and killed it. That's not wasteful. <laughs> if you look at it logically, that is wastefully extravagant. That is a prodigal grace for the prodigal son. So if you are here, you are like, oh, pastor, you don't know what I've done. I've gone far. I've gone far. 
There's a prodigal grace for a prodigal son. There's a prodigal grace for a prodigal daughter. You say, oh, I've gone so far. There's a grace that can go further. There's a grace that can go further. And you see, God is saying to you today, will you come to your senses? Will you come to your senses and access this grace? And if you look at the life of the, the older son and the life of the younger son, one thing is consistent, walk. Everybody say walk. The older son was walking in his father's vineyard. The younger son was applying for work. He had a work application. <laughs> but one work is good works, and the other work is dead works. It's possible to be serving God with dead works. But it's also possible to be serving God with good works. I'm praying that everyone in God's favorite house, we have good works in Jesus' name. So what's the difference between good works and dead works? What's the difference? Simple. Good works, you are working because you have a part of the Father's riches. You are working because you have a part of the inheritance. Dead works, you are working because you want to be a part of the inheritance. Two different things. And you see, with Christianity, <laughs> there's nothing about paying God back. Christianity has nothing to do with paying God's back. Nothing to do with paying God's back. The son, the elder son that is working, is working because this is my father's business, right? His attitude, such people don't have closing time, do they? They close when they are tired. But the guys with the dead work, they are, they are working because what? They want bread at the end of the day. They want bread. So, so the difference is always clear. Also in church, if you, we have workers in church. We have people that are serving. I interact with workers and I can tell who is doing dead works and who is doing good works. I know the workers that are working because it's their father's business. Such people, doesn't matter whether the pastor is around or not, whether the head of the department is around or not, they are working because who? Because of what? It's their father's business. People with dead works, they are working for reward. They are working so that maybe God will, will favor me. Let me do God's own so he can do my own. Have you heard that before? Dead works. Ah, you're not a worker. Ah, you should be a worker. Oh, that's true. That's true. So that God can answer my prayers. Oh. Because it says, if you serve the Lord your God and He will bless your bread and water, He will not put any of these diseases upon you. Let me work. Some of us, we need to change our orientation on our service to God. But the key thing here is, every son works. Good works or dead works. Every 
son works. So please ask your neighbor, are you working? If you are not working, you need to check your status. <laughs> because every son works. Every son works. Ask them, are you doing good works? Or dead works? Or no work? Get a response. <laughs> so, good works, you are inside and working. Dead works, you are working to get inside. The older boy was inside and working. The younger boy was working to get inside. So the, the younger son was outside and he was eager to come in. And he took the father to go bring him in with two things. Grace and truth. The older brother was also outside. You know, he refused to enter. But he took the father to go bring him in with two things. Grace and, and truth. So, the two sons both needed grace and they both needed truth. So it doesn't matter whether you are inside or outside. You need grace and you need truth. Praise the name of the Lord. doesn't matter whether you are in or out. You need grace and truth. Now, grace will bring you home, but it takes truth to set you free. Grace will bring you home and it takes truth to set you free. You're going to see that I mean, vividly shortly. And Jesus says, I am full of both grace and truth. The younger one, the grace. The grace showed the younger one is obvious. That's the most obvious grace in this story. <laughs> what was the grace? The father went out to meet him. That is gracious. That is super gracious. The father went out to meet him. Then it didn't end there. The boy had prepared a speech. You know, I like that guy. He's just very smart. He says, I'm going to show up before him and I would say, Father, I have sinned before heaven and before you. I will go spiritual. Then I will go practical. I don't deserve to be your son. Then just hire me. So that I can stop eating pig's food. So all the boy wanted was food. That was all he wanted. That was all he wanted. But if you, if you read that story, that was the prepared speech. He prepared it from the beginning to the end. But when he showed up before his father, he said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And the father cut him short. Ignored the speech. And said, bring him the best robe. Bring him the ring. Bring him the sandal. Kill the fatted cow. You see, many of us, we go before God and we are blabbing away. And God is saying, give her a new robe. Give her a new sandal. Just change and give her a ring. That is why it is just folly to think that you have what you have because you are a prayer warrior. It's foolishness. 
Should you pray? Yes. And by the grace of God, I do. But you see, beyond our request, the grace of God abounds. He says, before you speak, I will answer. I will answer. So the, the, the father totally ignored the boy. Totally ignored his speech. Totally ignored it. That is super grace. Now the truth. What was the truth to this young boy? The younger son, rather. <clears throat> what was the truth? The truth was what the father said after giving the grace. My son was dead. But now is alive. He was lost. But now, that is the truth. And it will, the boy will do well to keep that truth in front of his face all the days of his life. Whereas I was blind, but now I can see. <laughs> As believers, the more truth we imbibe, the more we are established in grace. That's, that's, that's how it works. The more, the more truth we imbibe, the more we are established in grace. In fact, the, the reason some Christians appear not to be able to backslide, in other words, they've been Christians, they've been consistent, they've just been growing, they just don't backslide. You know why? They keep the truth before them, which is, I used to eat with pigs. But see what God has done for me. If you don't know that you are dead in your sin, you won't think you need a savior. If you don't know that without Jesus you are hopeless, you will think, what do I need Jesus for? And see, that's the problem with a lot of people because the, 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 the salvation experience is not real because there's no time in their lives that they actually came to their senses like this boy. I said, look, I am eating with pigs. I need help. For some of us, I know where God took me from. I know where God took me from. I can't, some of you know some of my story. I know where God took me from. I know where God is taking me to. And I don't want to go back to where God took me from. See, that is why you should not be afraid of preaching grace. Because when people actually see what God's grace has done for them, nobody wants to go back to, to being eaten with pigs. Nobody. Why? Because the truth is the son was dead. Now let's, let's quickly go to the older son. The older son, what was the grace shown him to bring him in? What was the grace? And the grace is this. The father went out to meet him and begged him. In those cultures, you see what the boy said? There's, those cultures is like authoritarian, you know? It's, it's not these days that fathers want to be best friends of their sons. No. Fathers are dictators. Where these dictators, <laughs> you know? You must do this, period. Why? Because I said so. You don't want exit my roof. How many people have they said to 
You are under my roof. You remember? Put up your hands. Come on, come on. Yes, 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 yes. They said that to me many times. I said, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> For that kind of father, and the picture of beg here in those days, if you are begging someone, you go on your knees, you take his hand, and maybe you are kissing it or you are just holding it. So the father went down and begged his son. Ha! Grace. It's like Jesus coming down. He became a man. He humbled himself. He died. Jesus didn't have to die because not all men died. Did Elijah die? Did Enoch die? So why should Jesus die? He didn't have to die. Not even the death of the cross. Why? So that you and I can come in. Praise the name of the Lord. So that's, that's the grace shown to the senior boy, the, the, the senior, senior son. The truth shown to the senior son is in verse, verse 31 of Luke 15, verse 31. The, the, the father said, and the father said to him, Look, my dear son. Now, this, you need to get this. You have always stayed with me, and everything I have is truth. Everything is yours. Even the fatted cow that was killed is yours. In other words, this, your brother, pretty much doesn't have anything left. This, your brother, that's why we should be nice to him. Truth. And that is the truth that can make that brother relate with the other brother without him feeling bad. Because he knows that. I'm cool. Oh, do you want another goat? Please give him another goat for the road. Now, listen. What am I saying? Am I saying, oh, Pastor, is it, is it impossible for you once you fall, to, is it impossible to, to be restored? Of course it is. We've just seen that displayed in this story. However, the truth remains that what is lost sometimes is lost. Assuming the woman that was caught in adultery, assuming the man she was having adultery with had HIV, and Jesus said, I forgive you. Don't sin again. What will happen to the HIV? You bear some scars. Mm. You know, I was in the pastor's conference and, you know, <clears throat> I think it was, was, you know him, some very wise guy from Ghana. It was he was the one ministering, and one of the pastors asked him a question. That why is it that you know in the church he was trying to say the church doesn't show love and grace, and when men of God fall, that they never, you know, the church doesn't help them back. Da 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 da, you know. And my son said, "Well, 
if you recover as a leader or not, it depends on how high you were when you fell. If you are on this stage and you fall, what will happen? You get up. Are we? You climb back and you continue to dance whatever you were doing on the stage, right? Says, but if you are in like 35-story building and you fall, bye-bye. <laughs> and immediately as he said that, everybody got it. If you want to keep falling and getting up, then stay on the low level. But I am going higher. Yes, I am. <laughs> I am going higher today. Today, today. I am going higher. Yes, I am. Going to Jesus to stay. I am going above the shadow. Into the presence of God. Into the presence of Jesus. I am going higher today. Amen. For some of us that have decided to go higher and higher, what does that mean? You cannot even try it. There will be no recovery. There will be no recovery. It's gone. And historically, you can mention from one man of God after another man of God, they never fully recovered. Never. Even leaders in the secular world, they never fully recovered. I don't want to mention names. A few names are popping up in my mind. Never fully recovered. So, that's the truth. That's the truth. The truth. They that stay in glass houses don't throw stones. That's the truth. It's just the truth. You want to come up? You want to come higher? Drop all these second chances of 21st chance, second chances. And, and, and receive the grace of God. The real grace of God that can help you stand and walk and run and mount up with eagles and soar in the name of Jesus. So, the older son, in conclusion, couldn't understand the party. The older son, he couldn't understand the party. If you, if you read that scripture from the NIV or the KJV or the other version, I'm reading from the NIV. The older brother, verse 28, became angry and refused to go in. That was, I mean, father spoke to him anyway. But he had an issue with the party. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father and said, All these years I have stayed, slave, I've been slaving for you. Never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me. Everybody say, Gave me. On the line that gave me in your Bible. Gave me. Even a young goat. Then, so why? So I could celebrate with my friends. Underline that also. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes 
home. You kill the fatted calf for who? For him. So the boy feel, felt cheated. So he couldn't understand the party. Why did you kill the fatted cow? Do you know how long it took us to, to feed that cow fat? For him. Now, to understand the reason for the party, you need to look at, back up a few more verses. The verse we started from, the Bible says Jesus gave them this parable to further explain, which means there was something that he was explaining before. It is a trilogy of stories, like a movie, you know, Matrix Part 1, Matrix Part 2, Matrix Part 3, or uh, Nollywood, to be continued, Part 2. <laughs> now, it's like that. The first part of the story is, 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 the, is, the, is the story of the lost sheep. The story of the lost sheep. There was a shepherd. He had a hundred sheep. One got missing. He left 99, went after the one. When he got the one, he rejoiced with his neighbors. He threw a party. The second story was the story of the lost coin. The lost coin, a woman lost a coin. She had ten, she lost one. And she turned the house upside down. I was reading and said, yes, yes, she did. That's what my wife would do too. One coin. And I would say to her, baby, it's just one coin. You have nine. She says, no, I must find my... So I've, I've resigned. Must be a woman thing. We men don't understand it. We male species. We don't understand it. Anyway, the woman searches everywhere and finally found that one coin. Then what does she do? She throws a party. She calls her neighbors. She rejoices because of one coin. Then the father lost a son and got the son back. Then what does he do? He throws a party. The question is, why the party? Why was the shepherd throwing a party? Was he throwing a party for the sheep? Why was the woman throwing a party? Was she throwing a party for the coin? So the coin can be happy. Why was the father throwing a party? He said, my son was lost. Now he's found. The party was for the father. Not for the boy. Praise the name of the Lord. For everyone that repents, the Bible says, there's joy where? In heaven. There's the party is for the father. Every time you receive the grace of God to move to another level in your life, guess who rejoices? God rejoices. Why? Why? Because he has gained something. He has gained something. And you, which is why you have to be gracious in your life also. I mean, if, if your spouse, as, as, as you know, someone said to me, my spouse has crossed the line. 
I will show him pepper. If your spouse has crossed the line, if you wish, if you will be gracious, guess what? You will have gained a lover back. Who has gained? You. So when you are gracious to people, stop thinking you are doing them a favor. Okay, you see, the first time you did it, I, 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 I forgave you. I forgive you. If they say, I forgive you. This is your last. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. I know it can be really tough. Yes, but the truth of the word of God is that when you show grace, you gain. When you show mercy, you gain. The father gained the son. The woman gained the coin. The shepherd gained the sheep. Let's burn our hearts as we burn our head. There are some of us in this place. You are struggling with God. You are fighting with God. There's like a struggle going on. There's turmoil in your life at the moment. And you want to say, Pastor, thank you for sharing the solution with me. I want to win this battle and I want to surrender to Jesus. I want to surrender to God. Put up your hand. I want, I, I want to pray with you wherever you are seated. You don't need to come forward. Wherever you are seated, I want to pray with you. Put up your hand now over your head. That is me. God bless you, sir. I can see your hand. God bless you. Right there. God bless you. Right there. God bless you. Another hand right there. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you. I can see your hand. Keep the hands up. They will give you a card. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, my sister. Right there. God bless you, my sister. Jesus, I want to make peace with God. I want to make peace with God. Yes, God bless you. Right there. God bless you. If you have the card, you can put down your hand. You can put down your hand. God bless you, my sister. God bless you. I can see your hand. Heaven is rejoicing over you right now. God bless you. Right there. Heaven is rejoicing. God bless you. Right there, my brother. God bless you. Heaven is rejoicing. At the overflow, just raise your hand and the ushers will attend to you. If you are with us online, the structures are on the screen. The rest of us, let's just talk to God and say, Lord, let me be an embodiment of Christ. Let me be an embodiment of the fullness of grace and truth. 